0: Hi, it's Wednesday, uh, and I want to do the third podcast of the week about the Haftar, but not exactly. We want a slight modification. Today, the talk is being uh, sponsored by the Hoffmans, I mentioned last week, a uh, brother and sister, and for, for Shlema, for Rina Brochabas, for Golda, for her sister, and for Yehuda Beneser, for their father. Nope. All the fields will be answered. Uh, I got an idea, and that's why i want to do it in Dafka today. Today, Wednesday afternoon, is the uh, 23 Kislev, correct? Um, tomorrow night, Thursday night, is a Hanukkah. So that means Friday is 25 Kislev. And tomorrow, Thursday, they have to th- tomorrow is what we call the 24th of Kislev. 24 Kislev. That probably doesn't mean much to you. That's exactly what I'm going to talk about. Uh, actually... It's a very interesting a passage in the Bible, in uh and Chagai. Uh, it's one of the Nevi'im, only two chapters. Everybody pull out a Tanakh and read Chagai's, only two chapters. How hard is that? And Chagai is listening, is living, I mean, at the beginning of Vayesheni. That's when he's located. Chagai is the Chagai Malachi. So Chagai is at the end, uh, at the beginning rather, the Second Temple, which is a very complicated story described in detail, but you have to know how to read between the lines in the Book of Ezra. Uh, I don't want to get bogged down in that. That'll take an hour by itself. But suffice it to say that the Jews were allowed to return after Basimings was destroyed after 50, 70 years. It's not clear. By Cyrus at Persia, he let him rebuild, but then he stopped in the middle, and then 18 years went by, and then after the death of Ahasuerus, the next king, Darius, Dariyavish, allowed the Jews to finish the building. That's the bare-bones story. And so, you had people made Aliyah, but only a few did. Forty-some thousand out of, I don't know, probably a million or something like that. Not much like, happened in the 20th century. Same thing. You know, they had Israel, but most Jews lived outside. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's what happened. And uh, they came back, and they had a little bit of a difficult time. The people who returned back Exactly like the Chalutim in modern Israel, you know, back in the 1880s, early 1900s, that sort of thing. Uh, The parallels are extraordinary. And in this case, of course, long ago they had a base of Migdash, and the project was to build a base of Migdash, and they started, but they got a stop order, and then 18 years went by, and then they started building and built. And Chagai is actually mentioned in the Book of Ezra as one of the prophets who told the people, get up and start building. In other words, after an 18-year hiatus, build the second temple, and they did. Now, there's a whole story behind it, but like I said, I'm just focusing on the bare-bones part of that. Now, in the Sefer Kolchagai, Chagai, it's consisting of a couple of prophecies uh, over a four-month period. Basically, three prophecies, as I understand it. One is on Rosh Chodesh Elul, the second one is on Shana Rabba, and the third one is tomorrow, 24 Kislev. Isn't that interesting? Again, the first nevuah. Is Then not long after that On Shana Rabba, And then not too long after that On 24 Kislev And that's all you got in the in the book of Haggai Now, what is it all about? Basically The Persians had stopped them from building However, it seems That, now I'm going to give my spin on this My spin However, if you follow the Chazal Chronology So, uh, Ahasherosh died he was the real Momser that was stopping everything. Once he died, so Queen Esther and those people are like in charge of the new young king. Uh, the opportunity is there to rebuild the temple. The Jews didn't do it, and this was held against them. And so the prophet Haggai, in the first of his uh, prophecies on Rosh Chodesh El, is basically—I uh, mean, you might want to get this in English translation. You know, Hebrew's not that hard, but whatever. God says that people say it's not time for rebuilding the house of God, but it is. You know, how come you live in good houses and the base of nations in ruins, right? And because you're not doing what I want, Hashem says, I'm bringing economic depression, right? Bringing economic depression. You eat, you're not satisfied, you drink, you're not quenched, you clothe yourself and nobody's warm. These are expressions that is a bad economy that Hashem on purpose made a bad economy, okay? So instead, if you want to stop this, Get up and build the base of English get get to it and it says they did so that was the prophecy at that time now it turns out the second prophecy is on the Shannaraba which is just interesting because the Shannaraba they go around seven times you know the story and obviously all seven times around the altar it's a you know and you beat the uh, the you know the is a mystical situation so somebody could get mama's getting on a high and if you're already a novi anyway so you can get on a high high high. Ani Vahoshiana, all that business. And there, it's very interesting, the second prophecy, Shahrana goes like this, maybe you're starting to build, but many of you are depressed. Why are you depressed? This temple is going to be a pale imitation of the first. After all, Ba'isrishan was built by Shlomo. At that time, he had unlimited the checkbook. Shlomo was loaded. The temple of the Shlomo built was fancy Dallashmancy. Now, by contrast, they're building a second temple, Uh, almost surreptitiously. it's not a lot of Jews involved. You know, you don't have a large economy. uh, I mean, they had the wood and the stones and all that, but it's going to be a junky imitation, a pale imitation of the first temple. And that may be why some people, I'm just surmising, maybe some people didn't want to participate in the building project, or maybe the ones who did said, all right, we're doing it, but it's not going to be nothing special. They didn't have what we call the right attitude and therefore, in this second prophecy, on Shana Rabba, God is saying, "Stop the depression." Okay, uh, I'm sure I can assure you this temple will be fancy, delish uh, fancy, as it and the very, very famous prophecy that is often uh, quoted. Okay, often quoted, and it says here. Let me get a book of Chaga here, and it says, um, yah What's it? What's the words? Uh, Whew. It'll be a huge success. Okay? It'll be a huge success. Leah Leah Zob, and don't worry. It'll be fancy. Okay? So that's basically the heart of what the second prophecy is all about. Okay? And then, Tucker, uh, where is it? Uh, I'm sorry to take your time. Here it is. Go to, yeah. It'll, it'll be big. Okay? So, that's the concluding part of it. You'll see. It'll be impressive. And I don't know if he's referring to that temple or the one that later was rebuilt by Herod, that the Gmarsah was super dull and fancy and high-class. Whatever it is, that's the second prophecy. And then comes the third prophecy, which takes place on tomorrow, on twenty-four. Uh, 24 Kislev, right? This is long before Hanukkah, for the Maccabee times. This is the beginning of the Second Temple. And he says, And then you have a, something very, very strange or interesting. You have a halacha uh, B, or questionnaire. The prophet Chagai goes to the Kohanim, and he asks them kachem questions. Right? It's like, it sounds like Gemara. Ask Shilas to the Kohanim to see if they actually know the rules. You see, the temple had started to be built, but then it was stopped. And, you know, some say they offer a of anyway. Others, it's not, it's not clear. But the Kohanim are not up to snuff, or are they? And the prophet is trying to stir them. God is telling them to do this. To say, you know, start boning up for the test and, and, and get ready, because pretty soon, basically, they'll be in full operating uh, condition. And you guys, the Kohanim got to know all these complicated rules of Kachim and Tarah, Tum and right? And so he says, <laughs> A guy takes some Buzar Kodesh, So he asked him, let me read the English, i make it easy for you. Um, If somebody will come and someone carries consecrated meat in the corner of his garment, touched bread or stew or wine or oil, any other food, uh, will the food become kachim? The Gemara, in Psachim, you'll probably remember this, this is Hanin Skana Kohanim, says that they were, Rashi says it here. Uh, Where is it? One second. I should have pulled out all stuff beforehand. Let me see, Treosar. So, according to this, according to the Gemara, uh, Rashi is according to the Gemara, in Pesachim in the first parak, you know, in the in Zion, I guess. And uh, he was asking him questions about Revi Lutumah and Hamish Lutumah. You know, dummies, the first thing is Tommy, the thing that touches it is Rishan Lutumah. The thing that touches that is the Shana saying The thing that touches that is the Shlish and so forth. And uh, in Chagig and these other places, there's all these rules. You know, this thing is Tomei, but it's not Mitame. This thing is, is Then These are practical questions because stuff happens in the temple. You know, people drop things, they touch things. They was asking him all these kind of questions. And it's a Machlokis and Namorim, Rabbi Did the Kohanim get it right or not? One says they got it wrong, ishtabish Kahani. And the other one says they think they got it right you know, and uh, and he asked him another question, it's amazing, it's like a bichina. all this happening tomorrow on 24 Kislev okay so if he says, if a mace, a corpse touches these things, will be the rule? right? that one they got right, because the mace is via vosotuma and the chamishi, l'tumas asher, mace because it's uh, touching a corpse, so it Jumps up the level of of the Tummah, You don't have to worry about the technical parts, unless you are interested, then you can pursue it yourself. The point is, he starts asking all these questions, and then Chagai says, uh, "Right, that this is where everybody's holding over here." Meaning, you guys don't know jack. As Rashi says, "You Kohanim are uh, and and everybody." is not into Kachem, just the same way you and I today, most people anyway, in the year 2020, don't know Kachem. Why would you? I mean, now, now thanks to the Daph Yomi, possibly things a little bit different, but let's face it, 99% out there don't know Kachem, because it's not their game, Right? You don't have to know regional Tumas We don't do that anymore. If anybody, I'm a Kohen, so I got to know about Tumas Amase. You know, that kind of stuff is still there. Not all, but the Tumas, oh well, you know, can't walk into a cemetery and all that. But you, we're not Kohanim or pff, women or anything like that. Pff, it's not in their game. Okay, this is the famous reason why the Chavos Chaim said, "Oh, we gotta start learning Kachim again. Sheik might be here any minute." But the fact of the matter is, people weren't holding by it, and Chagai's rebuking them because he said, "Guess what? The Beis Meis is happening now. It's about to start up again." So you people don't know the halachas. But therefore, get get your act together from today on. Once we start building over here, right? Once you start working on the base of Mish, which he told them to do, and they did do, then all of a sudden you're going to see things are going to, there's going to be radical improvement in life in general. The economy will shoot up. used to be that you went to a thing with 20 uh, sheaves and you only found 10, meaning you had a bad... Uh, uh, harvest rate and all that now it's going to turn around okay And from today the 24th of Kislev from that day God said from today on I'm going to give a bracha the economy is going to shoot up you're all going to do well okay and then so in other words he was telling them that starting from today is when the base emissions is really getting into second base emissions is really happening. And not only that, uh, uh, listen closely. Uh he goes on to say uh From the day the Heikhlashem was was uh, was founded. And uh Rashi says, Which means that when it was round one, when Cyrus gave permission, they started uh, working based on Megish, but when he put a stop order, they, they stopped. And now they began to build on that. So basically, the 24th of Kislev is the day when work began in earnest uh, on the Second Temple uh, uh, structure. And uh, the question becomes like this, did they start to use um, uh, the, 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 the uh, menorah and the uh, Mizbeach? Did he actually start the temple service up in those days? And like I said before, you can go and look at this inside and see the different opinions. I'll tell you why I'm sharing this in a minute. And then he goes on to say, Rubavel, and then he says something quite remarkable. This is the end of the book. It's a short book. Tells Rebubel, who was the leader of the Jews, Kehz Babel, Rebubel, you know, and he says, Ani God says I'm gonna shake up the whole world, meaning I'm gonna cause world wars and international events and huge megatrends, like we say today, coronavirus. I'll turn kingdoms upside down. But and I'll smash the, the superpowers. But I'll turn the Merkava, the chariot and, and its riders upside down and there'll be civil wars one nation against the other so in other words um, uh, in order to help the Jews rebuild the second base of Migdash and found the second commonwealth, I'll make a war in the whole Middle East, that will turn out for their good but it's a very racist uh, uh, what's, what's it called uh, prophecy, that all in other words, like you say like this, the whole reason for World War One was to make a vow for declaration yeah? all those people died for a Balfour Declaration, so the Jews get Palestine. Really, it's a very racist. You see, and I'll make the big the big cheese. This is a very famous prophecy that world wars and all kind of huge events, uh, like I say today, the equivalent would be the coronavirus, will be there for the purpose of the Klal Yisro right? For the purpose of Klal Yisro it's a good thing it's in the Bible, so you can't, you know, blame, it's very anti-Semitic sort of business. And so, what you see over here is that on the 24th of Kislev, long before Hanukkah existed, a significant prophecy was given regarding the Second Temple, and uh, it's not exactly clear where he's going with this, but something having to do with the dedication, the rededication, or something like that of the Shani. Now, as it happens... Yaakov Emden has a many farm, including one of them is called uh, Mor Ukitsiya, which is a safer on the Tour. Allah safer. And he likes to give his Chedushim, this is Yaakov And he's going in Tafr Shayim, which is the beginning of the laws of Hanukkah. I'm sure you know that in the Shulchan Orach. And one of the issues, this is just funny, one of the issues is, what's the meaning of the word Hanukkah? Now, I'll tell you what I mean. Forget Josephus the book of Maccabees, all that stuff. This is the rabbinic literature we're dealing with up here. And if you just go to Gemara, the Gemara is like this, as I'm sure you know, and it's a quote from the Megillus Tainus, and it says, My Hanukkah. Uh, and it says, because the miracle of the oil, My Hanukkah, you know, Shemitah, you want to let the whatever it is, and they found one jar of oil, etc., etc., et, cetera, et, cetera, et cetera, the miracle of the oil. So I know, and anybody knows, uh, you know, a historical thing, you know, Hanukkah, and they rededicate the 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 HaMegdash. The but it doesn't say that in that passage in the Gomorrah. And most of the big rabbis were Talmudists, so they looked just in the Gomorrah. So I repeat, it's said, my Hanukkah, and it tells the miracle of the oil. So that left a lot of Mepharsham saying, we are showing him too, saying, I don't get it. Uh, if it's about the oil, the name of the holiday should be, I don't know, Shaman or something like that. What, what what does Chanukah have to do with the story the miracle of the oil? Okay. Again, they just went by the Gemara, which is that the, the passage, the famous passage in um, Shabbos. Uh, if they would look in the McGill's time, in, in the original source, it would kind of address it. But that's not necessarily what happened in the history of rabbinical literature. And so they're struggling to figure out what does Chanukah mean. And a famous answer that popped up in the Middle ages was Chanukah hay They rested on the twenty fifth. Problem is, that's made up. Knows what, what does that mean? So some thought that the war ended uh, on uh, some famous rabbi. They thought the war ended on the 25th, which is not true. So notice, the Maccabees are fighting, and then they finally won. So like we have in America, you have VE Day, VJ Day, the, the day the war was over in Europe, we beat Hitler, or the day the war was over in Japan, when Japan surrendered. The cafe, they rested from the Mahama, Mahamafei was over. And, uh, you know, that's Hanukkah. Uh, now, if you know anything about the McGill's Tiny scene, let alone the other sources, you know, Hanukkah, that we celebrate the holiday tomorrow night, was a blip. It wasn't the end of the war at all. The Greeks and the Jews, if I can use that terminology, went on to fight for another 50 years. Judah Maccabee was actually killed in battle by the Greeks five years after Hanukkah. You understand? Know the Greeks recaptured the temple. Two or three years or whatever it was after the famous Chanukah, So Khanukov hey, it's hard to say. Then it means they rested, you know, from the war. Unless you want to like tight shut up the they had a truce or a a, a short recess. That's what it sounds like. Right? It sounds like they rested on such such a day. So uh other R- rushana, Zevin has all this. If you look at Zevin, you can see all the sources if it interests you. Others understood it. Chanukah, remember, this is a very rabbinic reading, is, is, shvizas uh, malacham. Khanu in the sense, you know, they rested, and they undertook not to do any malacham. Now, you'll ask me a question. Chanukah is not also and malacham. It just says they made for halahodah. I get it. That's true. In spite of that, they popped up, again, in the Middle Ages, uh, uh, an idea that, as we know, gained traction in, the minhag literature, and even to agree in the halacha literature, which is there's some shtick inyan on Hanukkah to refrain from work. Uh, I think I talked about this last year. We all know the one about women not supposed to do malacha during the 30 minutes the candles are burning. There are other customs mentioned in sources, the women refraining from doing malacha all night the whole evening. Uh, There are those that talk about men having such a minhag there's even such a thing, the women refrain from Locha eight days, a full eight days, I think I spoke about that last year, if I remember correctly, with the Chavasiar and his mother. Uh, there was a counter-dynamic in which they were opposed to women uh, refraining from work eight days, because batola, maybe they shimam, who knows what kind of mischief they'll get into. And so the opposite, they should work, and so on and so forth. This whole idea of refraining from work on Hanukkah which is in the halachic literature, as we all know, has its origins this idea to try to understand chanukavhe. Now, what does it mean, chanukavhe? It, uh, you know, is an Indian of uh, re- uh, refraining from work. Now, like I say, if you want to see this, look it up, the sources just go, let's say, to Modem Okay. Now, having said that, it's a dochic, right? Chanukah is chanukavhe. Uh, you know, what, what, what does that mean? Uh, and so, knowing this, so Yaakov Emden offers his Pshat in the Mortzia, again at the beginning of Hochas And he says here, and Yaakov Emden lived in the 1700s. Sheim nearly I think they called it Chanakah because they dedicated the Hechel. Now, what does that mean? Uh, now, again, he ain't wrong, but not for the reason he thinks. In the Maccabean period, they did indeed rededicate the temple and fix it up from all the stuff that the Greeks had put in there. But that's not what he's referring to. Even though Yachemann does know the Miguel's Titus, which is funny to me. But I'm just telling what he writes here. but Shem nearly al he said, I think they call it the Hanukkah because of the famous uh, prophecy that I just read you before, which took place on the day before Hanukkah on the 24th of Kislev, which, my friends, is tomorrow, Thursday. Kakasa as it says in the book of Khagai, that the temple was the Yisod, the foundation was on the 24th of Kislev. Also, uh, the next day they were mechanicate with Carbonus. now uh, uh, let's put it this way, I don't know where he gets that from doesn't say that in the book but he assumes that they finished the temple instead of the normal shot, which is they began rebuilding the temple, but he understands they finished the temple uh, on um, the 24th and then he surmises the next day they started it up with the karbonas. Uh So, the 25th of Kislev, according to the Akrona's would be the day when the time of the beginning of Baishen, in Chagai's time, they actually started doing the Carbonus. I'm not finished. I'll be Baish, even though the temple wasn't built, but it's completely built. But you could do it already because i not be Baish because there is an opinion in the Gemara, in Zvachim, They could start Carbonus even before you finish the building. Ubahad And that means that they must have lit the candle that night. So, in other words, listen very closely. It means that if they finished the Langada of the Foundation tomorrow, on Thursday, 24 Kislev, then it means the next day, Friday, they actually started, the 25 Kislev, they actually started the Karban which would mean that at the beginning of Friday, which is Thursday night, right, tomorrow night, uh, they began the Hadlokas HaNeros. Sheim Necham to Benachas. Because Gemara says, you start at night. To look at the coincidence, he says, that long before the story of Hanukkah with the Maccabees, long before that, in the time of Chagai, the, uh, the finishing was done on 24, and the following night, which is the 25th of Kislev, the night after Thursday, right? The, the night that you and I begin... Chanukah candles. that is by his Cheshon when they started lighting the menorah in the Temple. So because of that coincidence, that uh, the miracle of the oil, in the time of Judah Maccabee, happened to be on the same night that long before the Temple had been Mechanecht, had been dedicated in time of Chagai, so because the Maccabees perceived, wow, what a coincidence, that we are now lighting the candles to start up the base of Megis again after the Greeks messed it up on this night, which happens to fall out, the night of the 25th of Kislev, happens to be coincidentally the same night that they did Hanukkah long ago. We're going to call this holiday of the Maccabees. We're calling it Hanukkah after what happened back a long time in time of Chagai. The to that's a wild shot. The Mashanagu Lasa Seudos, And Yachman says, this will answer the question that everybody's asking, which is how come they have reboy sutas? Apparently, long, 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 long ago, they already had Khanika parties, and as the classicists know, the original text says they only did it for Holo So where do you get the Hanukkah party? So there's all kinds of answers. Uh some say it has to do with the Mishkan and all that. And he said, No, it's Chagai. So basically he came across this passage, and he thought, Wow, now I have a for all Hanukkah. The Echernim are trying to figure out why do you call Hanukkah, and number two, why do you have parties? And it goes on to say, and with this you can also answer the famous question of the Beis Yosef, there should be seven days, not eight days, because they already had enough oil on the first day. You know, that question, which has 10,000 answers. So if you want to know Yaakov Em's answer, it's based on this Chagai thing. The imzu Anim Habes Yosef, famous question there was enough oil for the first day so that should not be part of the holiday the to recommended the first day even though they had enough oil they made that part of the Hanukkah the Maccabean Hanukkah part of the holiday to remember what I just told you before the original lighting back in the time of Hanukkah happened to be on that same date. And maybe they attributed that they had good mazel that they were able to start the base of English after the Greeks messed it up. The Maccabees were able to do it on that date to the mazel of the Zeman. Because we have a lucky time, good things happen. Maybe because in the time of Hanukkah, they started the ha- Hadlokas Menorah. Um, maybe that's the reason it caused them to have the good luck to find the Pach Shemin and um, have the miracle of the Maccabean Hanukkah. The reason I'm sharing this with you is first of all, no, most people don't know about this uh, Chagai. And second of all, well, this way, if you're hearing this podcast today or tomorrow, you'll appreciate the significance, I hope, of the 24th of Kislev. You'll also have, if you want to impress your friends and be hit at the parties, you can tell everybody over this word from Jakob Emden. Uh, it's old little because all it says over there is that uh, there was USAD, you know, that the foundation was laid. It doesn't say they started the next day with the Garbonus of it. but hey, Jakob Emden smarter than I am, maybe he's right. You know, I don't know. So uh, it's a very interesting uh, shot. Now I want to tell you and conclude this with an interesting piece. Um my Rosh Sheba, Rabbi Ruderman wrote a Sefer um hundred years ago almost in the late 20s uh when he was in uh, Lithuania. I would uh in which it's Hidushi Alochas Biri Sugis So it's Kutchum stuff. You understand? So here he is in 1928, writing stuff on Kidu uh on Kiduci Choma Very technical Kutchim stuff, okay? it ain't for the average person out there, and he knows that very well, okay? He knows that very well. And uh, the question, and he has correspondence there with um, famous Rabbanim in Lithuania and in Hungary over Kutchim and Tyra stuff. Okay, so this was 100 years ago, 90 years ago. At that time, even in Lithuania, Judaism was plummeting. And you see that he's publishing a safer on Kutchim Let's put it this way: Who needs it? I mean, if I go to the store, you go to the store. You see somebody put a chedushim on welcome. but darftos, you know. I mean, more power to him, but I'm not buying it. But I need somebody's chedushim, you know, it's True. Well, let's be honest. Yeah, you know, if it's a classic, Karen, Karen or whatever. But I'm just saying somebody wrote the, the, his pilpullim uh, on this, and you see, he had a guilt trip about it. And he offers what, to my mind, was an extremely interesting defense. Now, I'm reading you, in other words, what he calls Devarim HaChadim, which is the intro to a safer Devotus Slavy. And he says over here, I've, as a historic document, I find this very interesting. I'm not going to do, when I start this safer, which is just a collection of pulpulim, on Kacham I'm not going to ask myself the questions that other authors ask themselves at the beginning of their books. <speaking in Hebrew> Are we living in a time when there's any interest in this? Because back in the 1920s, very few people were from, it was plummeting, and who's going to be interested in Kacham and Taras? <speaking in Hebrew> Do we need new books? <speaking in Hebrew> I'm not going to ask that question. So you know, this is rhetorical. When you say I'm not going to ask a question, tell the question you're asking the question, and he goes on to defend the idea of Lomdas. We say the Rebbein Shlom likes Lomdas. Right? That uh, thousands of Jews down the ages have been oising right? in the chelak alosh uh, Torah. But on the other hand, on the other hand, there's also. Uh, Room for lambdas, okay? And it's not inappropriate, so people must have told him in in Lithuania, you know, this is not a problem. Write about, um, you know, uh, the the problems the Jewish people are facing today, uh, perhaps, you know, uh, guidance for the Jewish people, or if you want to be strictly, on electricity and all these kind of things the Chash writes about, who needs stuff from... So when we're nachsona better if that does and he goes on to say that uh no I don't agree okay and uh I think it's appropriate afbechos shegiridos ruchnius charva even when we live at a moment of low ruchnius in Jewish history hamayna khayla pasim the torah itself which is a living well has not ceased giving water kol davdor sofro kol sofer kishronoso though mamon lugos is pre rukhov all the authors down the ages have contributed to the magnificent edifice of Torah literature, including Kachim and Taras, Right, And uh, he says, to me it's Pashat. Chagai Hanavi Sheh Benavuos <laughs> Look at Chagai, who prophesied at a time when Yiddishkeit was going down the drain. Golos <laughs> Yisro The Jews had been in Golos Babel, and that itself being in a, a Babel environment the Babylonians of Nebuchadnezzar had a bad hashpah on Khla Israel. He's talking about you know the Western culture. But Ace Rabbi and and even the Jews who came back in Chagai's time to Israel were all married to Shiksas. There was a big you know intermarriage problem time at Ezra. there are Machal Shabbos, it says in the book in Chemiah. When the Prophet Chagai discussed this uh, this um uh, was in this era what did he do? He started talking to and, ta, uh, and Tairas. He asked as I just read you in the 24th of Kislev all these kachim and and really Tuma questions of original Tuma, revealed Tuma, Khamish Tuma and so forth. Keshabachen navi Aluma. It's a Qalam Shelosim in Tuma He asked them things in Tuma which are actually Rechokim Hamatsias, which were, you know, arcane. Hengisa ish Kodish uh the knaf Big he quotes the Passover over there. The Boy Mehen. These are questions of a Chamisha I mean, you know, I say before, again, this touched that, and that touched that, and that touched that, and that touched that. And, that touched that. and then the first thing was me, So, you know, how far do you go with this? Ubi Yerushalmi, Amrinan, Bayan Chagav Akino Mazev, the Chagai was saying this, right? And he was trying to convince the Kohanim, Shayamdu Alagova, that they should stand on a high level in their knowledge of Torah. So in other words, be sayeh on the one hand, mekhale shabes nosim nosham sheches kedoma. O be sayeh shani, befalpon ben of attirech of a kolish of a chamish of a kolish, some seriously nefrus. So you see from Chagaidh that this is very lituristic, you know, that the way to deal with with uh, social problems and religious problems in close row is to increase the learning, even in the most arcane subjects of Taurus. Okay? And he goes on to defend this at greater length. So I think all this is interesting, by the way, of uh, Hanukkahs around the corner. And that's the reason you know I didn't do the Haftar exactly, uh, which, as you know, is the Prophet Zechariah. And the truth of the matter is I could connect the two together, but I'm just not in the mood because Chagai talks about olives. And, of course, the Haftar we're going to have this week has to do with olives. And uh, the original Nesav Hanukkah had to do with olive oil. But uh, I'll leave that, you know, uh, maybe for another time. I'll see. If I have a sponsor, maybe I'll do a separate thing on Hanukkah. But consider this to be in the way of the Haftorah of this week, or at least of what you find in the Nevi'im, the Nege'ah to the dates. And do pay attention to Choftale, uh, uh Kisle, which is tomorrow. I think uh, there are some places I'm not. I can't remember exactly. I think there's some places where they don't do tahtan, because of this stirring prophecy. I believe, um, but uh, I'll leave that to every show to do what they want. Anyway, with that, I bid you all a good day and a happy Arab twenty fourth Kislev, and a feliz Hanukkah.